The following is a recording of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information, visit gpts.edu. First Timothy chapter 4 and beginning at verse 12. Hear now the word of our God. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands upon you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Let's pray together and ask the Lord for his blessing on this, his word. O Lord, our God, you are the one who is the source of all wisdom and all life. And we come to you and ask that you would graciously bless this, your word to us. Lord, we desire to grow in loving you and serving you. And we need your gracious word and spirit day by day. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us now, that you would graciously override our sin, our weakness, whether in hearing, Lord, or in preaching. We pray that you would cause us to hear your voice and to see you clearly. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us and teach us in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're seated. Well, we all enjoy, don't we, watching uh, perhaps a great athlete or a great craftsman or artist I can remember at uh, one time when I was going to get uh, the wedding ring for my wife for our wedding, uh, I went to this old jeweler. This man had a shop in his home, and he was just a master craftsman. This old man in his late 70s, and he had you know, the big magnifying headset on and working away with craftsmanship, pouring things into little crucibles and uh, taking off the dross and pouring gold into molds and and crafting and shaping, doing a marvelous job. And you could tell by looking at him that he had done this for years. Uh, He had a a maturity of skill and ability that was simply marvelous to watch, fascinating to watch, and uh, and brought a blessing uh, to others around him through his handiwork. I think when we watch... Uh, those who we see with great skill or great ability, uh, we're amazed by them. And sometimes we wonder, how did they get to be able to do that? How did they get to that place in life where it looks so easy and uh, it looks so good and so wonderful? Well, undoubtedly, it's because over many years, they were taught, uh, they listened to others, they learned They practiced and they trained, and over time, they grew in the skill and ability marvelously. Well, as we turn here to 1 Timothy, right into the middle of this epistle, we have the Apostle Paul, 
an older saint, an apostle, one called by the Lord Jesus Christ to serve as his messenger to the church, man inspired by the Spirit here, bringing the word of the risen and ascended Christ to young Timothy. Young Timothy, who's just setting off into gospel ministry, who's laboring at Ephesus, who's begun to encounter some of the challenges, the hard things of ministry. And the apostle, as we read in 4 verse 6, is instructing him in how to be a good servant of Christ. How to grow and to flourish in the calling that he has been given by his Savior and Lord and through his church. So we're going to look at is just very simply unpacking what we see here in verses 12 uh, through chapter 5, verse 2. Really a very practical, multifaceted directive. A series of imperatives that show Timothy what life devoted to Christ in the pursuit of godliness in ministry looks like. This pattern, this pattern that if Timothy takes hold of this, will will bear fruit in his life as a young man, enable him to serve in ministry and grow to maturity uh, further in that ministry. Well, verse 12, we see the apostle begins with these words, let no one despise your youth. We don't know exactly how old Timothy was uh, from uh, the semantic range, the use of language at this time, this could have been somewhere between his 20s and perhaps the age of 40, was sort of the age of a young man in the culture of the time. But Timothy, we know, is, is called to serve in a position of leadership. He is the, the pastor here at the church of Ephesus. And, uh, and in this a calling, he's, he's a young man. And he simply doesn't have the weight of years of life in ministry or years of maturity as a Christian that others might have. Uh, The understanding that comes with years of life experience. And we know if we look back to chapter one, there are the challenges of false teachers in the midst of this body. There are those who are critics and critical Uh, There are struggles that Timothy seems to be somewhat of a retiring young man, somewhat reserved and quiet. Uh, He needs to be encouraged by Paul to be steadfast, to continue on in the ministry. And now Paul says, don't let anyone despise your youth. Uh, We could probably sympathize with what Timothy must have felt. Uh, Some of us very close at hand being young. Uh, others perhaps can look back and sympathize or still feel a note of sympathy as, as we feel similar things ourselves. Uh, there are times when the spiritual needs around us, when our eyes are opened to them, and we become aware of our own inadequacy and our own weakness, that we begin to feel fearful and intimidated, uh, perhaps feel the fear of men rising in our hearts. Well, the apostle's exhortation here is Timothy, rather than shrinking back, rather than being hindered because of your young age, your circumstance, or your feelings, uh, you are rather than to to dwell there and, and get tied up there. Instead, by grace, 
uh, pursue a number of things. We're really going to look at this uh, number of imperatives that are unfolded here. Uh, first of all, uh, pursue setting an example. Pursue setting a God-glorifying example. Verse 12, the apostle says there, uh, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. So Timothy, yes, you're young, but how can you be used by your Lord in the context where he has placed you? By seeking to set an example. This reminds us, doesn't it, of the language that the Apostle Paul himself used. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The example that Timothy is to set is an example of Christ-likeness, of conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle here notes uh, that this is to be this exemplariness that uh, Timothy is to pursue setting is to be displayed in different facets of his life and character. Say outwardly and inwardly together in ways that that exude from him. And so what, what kind of an example or how should this work out? Well, first of all, in his speech, Timothy. Uh, set an example in your speech. How would we do this? As we think of the tenor, the wider instruction of Scripture, uh, what, what would it look like to set an example in speech? We could think of uh, the testimony of Scripture more widely, that our speech is to be marked by soundness, marked by conformity to all of the truth of God's Word. Marked by wisdom, marked by kindness and thoughtfulness. Uh, in the class this morning, we were talking about a humility and meekness and peaceableness. as characteristics uh, that the believer is to pursue and, and things like this exuding in Timothy's speech so that, that his speech by the grace of God might more and more reflect uh, the whole tenor of the word in, in the right circumstances and reflects the grace and mercy of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we see as well in his conduct, he's to act and conduct himself as well, not only in his words, but in his actual actions, in his life conduct. And really this call to be exemplary in conduct could uh, include a whole range of things. Uh, everything from uh, the way he, you could say, carries out his daily life to actually the details of his body language and his facial expressions. Uh, the, way he, the, the way he acts and what he does. And we could think of, of simple examples of this. A Timothy, in your conduct, set the believers an example. What would this look like for the young minister? Now, what would it look like as uh, perhaps they're coming together to worship in a home in Ephesus? And, uh, well, there are a number of believers coming to the door at the same time of this home. How would Timothy there show and set an example in his conduct? Maybe there's some elderly members of the congregation coming. Just by setting, ste stepping aside, welcoming them to come in before himself, putting others before himself. But doing so physically. Invisibly, 
in his bodily conduct, in his bodily action, uh, in his demeanor, in his expression. Well, the Apostle Paul goes on now to uh, to really focus uh, from the outward of the speech and the conduct to the heart, uh, which will drive that. Set the believers an example in love. Timothy, walk in love as Christ has loved you. Timothy, set an example in spirit by living with a spiritual mindset, an awareness of spiritual reality, of the holiness of God, the majesty of God, of the things of heaven and hell, the the realities of all that is there. Uh, Being aware of these things so that this motivates and directs you in uh, your love, in your spirits, and he says, in faith, being marked by one who takes the Lord at his word, who trusts in the Lord with confidence and hope, and then in purity, avoiding sin, repenting and turning to Christ where there is sin. Timothy, be exemplary in your pursuit of purity. I'm just talking about in the prayer requests of the snare of pornography, the many snares that there are in our culture and society around us, this call to the beauty of holiness and the the blessedness that would come from that and exude from that in Timothy's life. Now, even if Timothy is young compared to many others in the church, and for those of you who the Lord might call into ministry who have not served in ministry, you'll come as a, as a young man into a church, into a church where there are likely believers who have been walking with the Lord for decades, for many, many years. Uh, there may be those who are strong in the Lord. There may also be those who are older than you who, who are weak spiritually. And Timothy is not to allow his youthfulness to be something that would be a grounds for a despising of ministry. And how does that happen? Well, it happens in this way, that as Timothy looks to the Lord Jesus Christ, as he lives life in union with him, in communion with him, and he takes hold of this setting an example in these areas, the gospel will be adorned in his life. And his life will become a beautiful testimony to the church. So that even the elderly saints who have walked with the Lord for years and years, as they see this young man, Timothy, they will be encouraged. They will see a man who is repenting, They will see a man who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will see a man who is pursuing new obedience. Their hearts will be encouraged. And as he preaches the word and as he teaches, there will be a credibility uh, because he is pursuing this setting and example. Well, the second category of imperative we see in verse 13 is called to devote yourself. Along with pursuing an exemplary life in Christ, Uh, Paul encourages Timothy to dedication in the calling that he has received. Now, Timothy is called to to be a minister of the word of the living God. 
God spoke this universe into existence by his word. This is the word of life, the word of salvation, God's God's own speech, his self-revelation. And this is what Timothy's called to. And Paul says, Timothy, be devoted to this. Be devoted to this public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Timothy, you have the privilege of being set apart, of being called into this. You have the privilege of the care of the saints, of the body of the church, that you might take up this high calling. And so, Timothy, be a man who is pursuing growth in devotion to this calling. Uh, Let it be the devotion of your heart that you might set a pattern of love for the word, of honor for the word. That's exemplary, again, to the whole body of the church. So that as they see you as a young man, they see you as a young man who, by the grace of God, is repenting of coldness to the word, of treating the word tritely or weakly. A man who's trusting in the word that this is the word of the living God. A man who's delighting to unfold the riches of the word and engage in it who loves to read the word and does so with reverence and humility and bears that word as the word of God himself. Well, the third category of imperative that we see here in these few verses is the call for Timothy to exercise his gift, really flows hand in hand with this devotion. We see this in verse 14, the apostle casts it in the negative. Timothy, do not neglect the gift which you have, which was given you, uh, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders or the council of the presbytery laid their hands on you. All right, Timothy, uh, we know from the tenor of the apostle as he writes him is, has been hesitating. Uh, In fact, he needed to be exhorted to stay in Ephesus, to remain at Ephesus, to keep on in this work of ministry. And Paul here is both encouraging and exhorting him, Timothy, the Lord has given you a gift along with the calling. And though you may be struggling with fears and desire to walk away because you feel it's too much or you feel intimidated or you're wearied in this labor, Timothy, exercise your gift. Don't neglect it. It was given to you. It was given to you by the Lord himself, given you by prophecy. When the the presbytery laid their hands on you, it seems it was uh, confirmed even prophetically in this context that he he was a man set apart and called to the ministry, which we know the Lord does through Uh, Today, through ordinarily through his church, as the church calls men and sets them apart to ministry and hands are laid on them. There's this evaluation and assessment that takes place as uh, young men come under care of their presbyteries and are examined and trained and prepared and then set apart, called by a local congregation. So, Timothy, don't give in to the temptation to neglect this gift, 
And of course, that could come in various ways. In Timothy's case, it might be due to fear. It could also be through distraction to other things. Timothy, Christ is sufficient. He has given you this gift. And so lean into, move ahead and actively using the gift the Lord has given. And as you do so, your youth will not be a hindrance to the congregation. But instead, Christ will be glorified in you. And it will be a sweet blessing. Verse 15, practice to show progress. Timothy, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. You know, I think one of the perhaps greatest encouragements for fellow believers is to see other believers progressing spiritually growing, being revived, refreshed, repenting, turning to Christ, delighting in him. And again, for the church here at Ephesus, uh, the struggling congregation, as Timothy practices these things, as he immerses himself in them, there is a, there's an intentional goal here as well in the ministry that others might see the sanctifying work of the Lord Jesus Christ in their young pastor. That they would be able to see over time. You know, Timothy came here to Ephesus at this point in time, and this is what he was like. And now look at Timothy a year later, five years later, 10 years later. Those who were his contemporaries, the same age or younger, those who are older, would be able to see Timothy is a man who has been changed. He's converted, yes, but he's also a man who's continuing to be changed. He is growing in all the beauty of holiness and the facets of the Christian life. And so the beauty of this growth, really the pattern here is the pattern of Psalm 1, isn't it? This practice, this immersion, this not neglecting, this devotion. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its leaf does not wither. Brothers, what's your desire? Uh, Should the Lord call you into gospel ministry or whatever calling he lays before you in life? You know, why? What drives you into that? What, what's tugging you to that? Is it love for Christ? Uh, desire to grow to his glory. Desire to grow that the saints, the people of God might be encouraged and strengthened themselves and blessed along this earthly pilgrimage. The lost might be saved and added to the church. Well, as we take hold of this word, this exhortations to Timothy, to us, the Lord has given for the church of every generation. This is the truth that as we do, fruit will be brought. Our leaves will not wither. Well, the Timothy is given one more imperative. Uh, the apostle gives us another important imperative here in verse uh, 16. We'll still be looking at two more. Um, but 
here in verse 16 now is a, is a different kind of call. Uh, this call is uh, a warning, a caution. Timothy, as you pursue this young ministry that you have, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. It's a good reminder and a necessary reminder for us all. You know, our greatest danger in life and Timothy's greatest danger in life, where he is in Ephesus, is not the emperor Nero. It's not the tides of persecution around him. It's not cultural pressure. It's not trials of life or sickness. It's not the problem of the the difficult people in the church. The greatest danger is not the evil that others might do to Timothy. Timothy's greatest danger is his own sin. That's the greatest danger for his ministry. And so the apostle, our Lord by his apostle, speaks this to Timothy. Timothy, be watchful, closely watchful over yourself and over your teaching. How do we do this? It's by being in regular and steady use of the means of grace that the Lord has given us. Being in and under the word. Listening as God speaks to us by his word. And as we're part of the body, the life of the church, listening to the believers who God has placed around us. As they might be as well instruments to help us in our own sanctification. This close watch on yourself, uh, there is a, a weight placed here on Timothy to be active in this personally and himself. And in verse 16, as we read on, we see that as the apostle uh, notes that persisting in this close watchfulness, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, of course, as the apostle uses this language here, it doesn't mean that uh, our salvation comes through our keeping close tabs on our own spiritual life. No, uh, it is the work of Christ graciously saving us. But yet here is the facet of our responsibility of taking hold of his call, of walking in his ways. The Scottish Presbyterian Robert Trail, as he reflected on uh, the call to ministry and the importance of a close watch and our persisting in this, both for our continuing in walking in the Lord's ways and growth in them, and for our hearers, said this, no one is as profoundly in need of the influence of the Holy Spirit, both for gifts and grace as the minister. Well, it might be overstated in some ways. Certainly every believer absolutely needs this work. Certainly the minister is absolutely dependent and in need of this. And Paul testified to this in the beginning in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, uh, where he reminded Timothy, it was because the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love in Christ Jesus that he was saved 
and being sanctified. But hand in hand with that is this call. Brothers, keep a close watch. Brothers, persist and pursue. And looking to Jesus for all the strength and grace that you need. Well, these exhortations to Timothy are focused mainly on himself. But now as we come to this final exhortation for the young minister, we see that there's also a calling that's relational in a very immediate way. The apostle says in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, that Timothy is not to rebuke an older man, but to encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Timothy, so that no one would despise his youth, is called to engage others well, to engage them well and wisely and with love and understanding also of his own place relationally in the life of the body. Uh, he is to minister the word of God to people, whether they are older or younger or men or women. As he speaks to them or relates to them, uh, he's also to be exemplary to the body in this way, in the relationship with particular people. And having that relationship exist with understanding and thoughtfulness. The Lord marvelously unfolds this for us here. You know, there are those who are elderly or older in a congregation. How's the young minister to relate to them? To relate to them with, a, with an honor and with a respect, understanding that he is younger and they are older, and that in God's economy and order, there's a difference there, and that difference is to be, to be known and respected in the life of the church. And so he's not to uh, rebuke an older man in a harsh way. He's uh, uh, to speak to him in a respectful way, to encourage him as you would a father. Now, so you might read that, and you might question, well, well, what if there's an older man in the congregation who's living in sin and wickedness, and, and he's, he's not listening? Uh, shouldn't I rebuke him then? The, the calling here is that the manner in which this is done needs to maintain an understanding of the difference in age, even if there's an urgency and a weightiness in what is going on. And of course, in the context of Timothy and his ministry, he would not be alone in that ministry either. There would be elders in that body with him. And uh, there may be an indication there as well that Timothy as a young minister uh, in his ministry to those who are olders. Now, this should also be a ministry that's done in conjunction with the elders. Well, how should he deal with sin in younger men? Should he place himself above them, speak down to them? No, he's to minister there as well with humility and with a mutual respect. These men are his brothers, older women, 
How is he to relate to them? Well, he's to relate to them as uh, those who are like his mother. I will pause here for a second. Very close arrival of a fire engine. Uh, he's to treat them as his mother. Uh, again, with a, with a loving respect. And realizing that as a young man, yes, he's called into ministry, he's called into a position of leadership and of authority in the life of the church. And yet, here's an older woman. He's a young man. How does he reverence and how is he called? You're called to honor your father and your mother and to honor and to indicate that. And then the younger women. Here's Timothy, a young man in the ministry. He's to treat them as sisters with all purity. Now, how necessary that is, that his ministry as a young man would not be despised in the life of the church. It can be despised if he is foolish and intemperate towards those who are older. It can be despised if he is proud towards those who are as equals in age. It will be despised if he does not regard the younger women who are his age or her younger with an integrity. He treats them as his sisters with love and with purity. Well, there's a marvelous calling here, isn't there? And a high calling. As we look at these verses from 11 uh, through 5, or 4, 4 verse 12 through 5 through verse 2, and we think about these verses, uh, wouldn't we love it if more and more of the church around us look like this and believers around us were growing in these kinds of characteristics and how it will bless the church and those around us as we, particularly those who are called to the ministry, take hold of this. Seek to grow in this. And we don't know how long the Lord will give us on this earth, how many days we have before us. But isn't it your desire to grow into this, to be more like these things, to take hold of this in the days that the Lord has remaining for you? And this pattern, what, what ultimately is this pattern that's laid out here for Timothy? As we look at this pattern of youthful ministry, we know that the pattern Timothy is being called to here, this is the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry, by the cultural contemporary use of the language of the terminology of a young man, a young minister, in his, in his 30s, our Lord Jesus Christ would have fallen right in the middle of that category. And as we look at the tenor, the character of our Lord Jesus Christ, his earnest pursuit of these things, the fulfillment of all righteousness and exemplary speech and conduct and love and spirit and faith, and devoting himself to the word, loving the word, which is his word, the word of the Father, proclaiming it, and filled with the spirit as he did so in practicing these things, progressing. We know he grew in maturity without sin and yet grew marvelously 
in maturity and wisdom and stature. And we know that he is the one who in wisdom and love spoke rebukes to those who were older, to those who were the same age, and the one who walked in all purity with the women, Mary Magdalene, the other women, in all purity. Never was there a man on this earth with such marvelous purity and holiness. And so young Timothy and we are being called to this. We're called to be like Christ. And of course, the marvelous answer for all our sin and weakness is to run to this very one who has fulfilled all of these things and who calls us into them because his grace is more than sufficient for us in our weakness. And he is about the business of saving and sanctifying and building up his church and causing his people to flourish in his ways. Let's pray to him together and ask him to do so. Oh God, our Father, you are the one who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the great shepherd of the sheep. And we pray, Lord, that uh, by the blood of the eternal covenant that you would equip us, Lord, for every good thing that we might do your will, that we might grow into this word that you have given us this morning. Oh, Lord, help us to cherish the whole width and breadth and height and depth of your word. And Lord, in these few verses that you have given us, uh, so beautiful, so well fitted together, uh, the series of imperatives and exhortations that you call us to. Oh, Lord, we know that this is a loving call and exhortation from you. We pray, Lord, that you would enable each one of us more and more to will and to do these things, which are your good pleasure. Oh, Lord, we pray it for the glory of your name. We pray it for the good of your church. And Lord, we pray it confessing our sin. Oh, Lord, we thank you that as we come to you as sinners, we know that you know us through and through better than we know ourselves. And so, Lord, we pray that you would cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, that you would renew a right spirit within us. And, Lord, we pray, cause us by your grace to go from strength to strength in Zion, that none would despise our youth or middle age or old age, but instead, Lord, that we might be those uh, from whom flow streams of living water and who refresh those around us, whether it's by our repenting, by our trusting, or by our serving you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information, please visit gpts.edu.